Report with Brad Biggs. Biggs time. Biggs. His name is Brad Biggs. Brad Biggs talks football with you. He does. He talks football with you, with us. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde. We are in for Mully and Haw. Mike Mulligan's valued friend of the program for many years. He joins us on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Big Z, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Morning, boys. What's going on? Well, Justin Fields is going on. He answered a question about what would be acceptable, what he would look for, what what good the offense can produce, what he can do, how he can do it. What is your? What would you define as good, acceptable, as progress in the last two games of this season for his offense? Well, they're going up against uh, a t- terrible Detroit defense on Sunday. The uh, Lions, with uh, plenty at stake, plenty at stake, went down to uh, Carolina this past week and just got steamrolled. Uh, Panthers ran for 300-some-odd yards. It was a Carolina uh, franchise record. But um, the Lions are also good at getting trampled uh, via the passing game. I mean, they're, they've, um, they've gotten a lot better as a team this year, right? They look like they're headed in the right direction. But they've got – a terrible amount of work to do on defense. The 32nd in the league in uh, total defense. They're tied for 28th uh, in run defense. They're 30th uh, in pass defense. They're 32nd in yards per pass play allowed. They're 26th in sacks per pass attempt. They're 31st on third down. So what would you want to see from Justin Fields and the offense as a whole? I think you want to see some points put up, and you understand that the Lions, especially at Ford Field indoors, have a uh, pretty good passing game, and they're liable to put up a bunch of points. But you just want to see the Bears be able to uh, you know, play uh, mistake-free football and not turn the ball over and, and put some points up, like I said, because the last four starts by Fields, I want to say the Bears are averaging 19 points a game. They had that nice four-game stretch. Uh, back in, in midseason when they were uh, putting out about 29 and a half points a game, you know, this is the kind of opponent you ought to be able to put some uh, touchdowns up against. Brad, we were just beginning to touch on this and Matt Eberflus and the job that he has done this year. H- how do you evaluate him? What do you th- how do you think he has done this season? Well, the record stinks. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're bad on offense. They're bad. On, you just you look at it, it's really hard. And I, I've gotten a lot of mailbag questions lately about the the job he's done, or these people are critical of Luke Getze and and even more critical of Allen Williams. And I'm looking at him like I, I don't even know how to evaluate Allen Williams. Like he doesn't have a front seven that you can win football games with. He's been playing with a ton of rookies in the secondary. Um, and, and, you know, there's the injuries. It's just, I, I don't know. What Fluce has done that I think uh, is important um, is, is keep the energy level up. 
right? You've got you've got guys in that room that um, they they're happy to be there, you know, in the locker room. And, and I can tell you, when I've covered teams that have had bad losing streaks, and you got to go back to 2002 for the last time I covered a team with an eight game losing streak, um, players can get a, a little checked out at this point uh, on the schedule with with a game or two left in the season there's an element of for some of them of going through the motions and i don't think we've seen much of that from the bears so i think that's a credit to uh the head coach uh that doesn't necessarily carry over from one season to the next you know you kind of got to start over uh instilling that but um we we've got to see uh, Eberflus and his assistants with some with some better football players. Like they they kind of tore this thing down, and then they traded away some good players, and then some guys got hurt. And what you've got left is a is a bad bad football team. The the Allen Williams thing that you started with is, is fascinating, Big Z, because you're right. I mean, and he when Allen Williams speaks to us, he he never seems defeated. He's very upbeat, very positive. Could it just be that while I'm sure that you know behind the scenes they're meeting and trying everything they can to make this defense better to get to the quarterback, that essentially between Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, and Allen Williams, it's, hey, it, it, we understand we don't have the personnel. And so, and I hate using this word because it encompasses a lot, he kind of gets a pass this year. Is is that the right way to, to look at Allen Williams? Because I can't evaluate him either. Yeah, I you know, I don't know that you give him a pass. So you look at some guys and you say, hey, I'm disappointed we didn't see uh, more production. And, um, it, you know, I look at uh, Travis Gibson, Dominique Robinson. Uh, those are guys who – made some plays rushing the quarterback there in the first month of the season. And, and while, you know, Eberflus talked at length about some of the good things Gibson has been doing recently this week, you know, he said he needs to work on a, on a counter move as a pass rusher. Well, you know, if he had a, a dominant uh, go-to move, he'd be a little bit better off in terms of production in that area. So there's some, things that I think you evaluate and you say, boy, this this, um, this hasn't been great. And, and that's one of the things you want to see is, is player development uh, in growth. And, and they're a little short uh, in some of those areas defensively. But, um, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd stay away from using the word pass yeah. and just, just kind of say I, I want to see them when they've got some better uh, talent. And, and it's going to take a time, a, a while, guys to get this roster uh, truly stocked uh, the, the way they want it to be. We were talking about 2002. Bixie, today is the 20th anniversary of the Henry Burris start in Tampa when they lost 15 to nothing, and he threw 19 passes. He completed seven to the Bears and four to the Buccaneers, and he had a passer rating of 10.3. We were just talking about the end of that season. And looking back at that last eight-game losing streak you covered, they snapped it against Detroit. Oh, boy, Detroit was bad back then. Wow, was Detroit bad? Yes. 
the, the serendipitous nature of 2002 coming up on the show, I just needed to share that. But what we were talking about with the coach, with, with Iberflus, was that no coach gives players an excuse. But the way he has phrased it, the way he's talked about refusing to use injury subs, the backups of backups of backups being in there, and he says, our job is to figure it out as coaches, and so is Justin's job. And he doesn't say it. <clears throat> There's not the the lying crap from John Fox. There's not the unintelligible stuff from Mark Tressman. But there seems to be a well-grounded way of, okay, here, we need to figure this out. That's our next job, whatever it is. And I like that about him. And maybe it works well with a, a younger a younger roster, inexperienced roster. They, these, guys, these guys are all worried about their jobs. But I just like that approach from what I've seen. You've been closer to it. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I think you just have to have a straightforward communication with the players. Hey, here's the expectation. And the the uh, it doesn't shift based on who's on the field and how much experience you have and, and that sort of thing. So hey, they've taken a common sense approach to a lot of things. I think... Eberflus has been pretty direct with his players in terms of communication, which is important, which is how you um, establish some, some trust and confidence with them and then maintain it. Right. You've got to, you've, you've got to continue to operate that way. So you know, two, two division games left, they've lost whatever six or seven straight uh, NFC North games going into this one in Detroit, and uh, and we'll have to see what happens. Talking to Brad Biggs of the Chicago Tribune here on the Mully and Haw Show, Rosenblum and Grody sitting in until 10 o'clock this morning. Yeah, I almost botched my own name right there. <laughs> Rhymes with Flutie. <laughs> Brad, you said correctly it's, it's going to take a while to stock this roster how much time is it going to take and what can realistically get accomplished in this off season where from a fan perspective, and I'm sure you've seen this in your mailbag as well, there are great expectations for this off season. Yeah, I think you're looking at to, to really, really get this thing up and running would require two, two full off seasons from now. And that's, that's if, um, the the strike rate for the GM Ryan Poles is extremely high, and that's if Justin Fields uh, continues to develop into the type of quarterback that the Bears are hoping he will be. And they need to surround him with better talent first in order to determine whether or not he can he can reach that point. Right? They need a better line. They've got to do a better job of protecting him. And they need um, better skill position players around him. So I, I just think it's going to take a while. You know, it, a lot of times, pro guys in pro scouting will break down rosters with uh, color coding involved. Okay, so they'll they'll look at the players and they'll give them a color coded grade in relation to other players at the same position throughout the league. And it makes it easier to kind of compare relative um, 
strengths and weaknesses. And so, you know, it goes blue's the top end, then it goes red, purple, orange. With a blue, that's a guy who could start for any team in the league and is, you know, most likely a regular Pro Bowl type player. And so those blues are those are hard to come by, those are hard to collect. You look at the roster right now, they don't have a blue on it, guys. They had one in Roquan Smith. They traded him. Eddie Jackson earlier in his career was probably a blue and was trending back in that direction before he got hurt. Uh, you look at the Bills and the Eagles, a couple recent opponents, and they've got, you know, they've got blue all over the place. And so until you, you know, get a bunch of really good football players, it's going to be hard to chase a championship. Brad Biggs is our guest here on The Score. Rosenblum and Grody in for Molly and Ha. We're talking Grady. Bears football. Grady. 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 <laughs> You'll figure out your name soon. So if you're looking for the Blues and there's none on this roster and Ryan Poles gets one of the top two picks, you are you in favor of trading back and gathering all the picks you can get? Or do you take what you would believe with that high a pick, a generational player, a 10-year starter, that kind of blue player? What would you do, Brad? Yeah, that's a great question. I was actually talking with a guy who works for another team last night. We were talking about a bunch of different things, and that was sort of one of the things that came up is without knowing what – the Bears are offered in a trade down package. You know, if it's some unbelievable haul of picks, I think you've you've got to take that, right? But if it is kind of a more traditional the Bears trade down from two or three to say eight or nine and then they pick up something later on to get another decent pick. Um, I prefer to stay put. Like my my thinking is that you need to take the slam dunk difference maker. You've got a critical lack of difference makers on your roster right now, and if you're sitting there at two or three and you see a guy that you believe can be that player for you, you take him and then do your best as the draft continues to unfold to find some more for your football team. Because if you trade down from two or three to eight or nine, there's no guarantee you're getting a difference maker at eight or nine. Now there's no guarantee at two or three, but um, you've got a much better chance you would think, right? Or you would certainly feel more confident in your ability to land that guy. Uh, We are going to hear, thousands of possibilities of how the bears are going to be able to trade whatever this pick ends up being to some quarterback desperate team uh, before the draft. And, um, you know, the Brian polls will make off with like a ski mask on. It'll be such a heist, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> the, you know, the thing about that is I don't know that this is a great quarterback draft. You look at you look at Bryce Young at Alabama. He um, 
he checks a ton of boxes. One of the major concerns about him is uh, his size and if he's big enough to hold up in the NFL. And he, he could be like a, a real outlier in terms of body frame and size, and that might cause some teams to pause a little bit. Um, C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, I don't think – uh, everyone's sold on him. And Will Levis, uh, some people like him a lot at Kentucky. There's some mixed reviews on him. So I'm not sure these are the three quarterbacks that are going to generate these um, like uh, these trade offers where it looks like you, uh, you, know, you robbed the bank to get all the picks in, in return. A lot of thieving going on in that, yeah. that answer right there. Yeah, absolutely. Big Z, is there anything personnel-wise in these final two games for the Bears this year that, that we might see changes, alterations, You know, whether offensive line or defensive line? Is there anything left to look at in these last two games that we maybe haven't seen yet? Yeah, Bruce Luce mentioned that yesterday. Like, we've got a lot of guys to look at, and so I kind of followed up. I'm like, well – like who? What? What do you mean? <laughs> and uh, he, he mentioned that they could have O line or D line changes. I don't like they're pretty much out of um, options on the O line uh, to to break out something new. Unless it's Alex Leatherwood at guard, and boy, he's really struggled at tackle. Uh, Jatari Carter hasn't played on offense yet. Maybe, maybe he's not ready. I don't know. And then he talked about maybe moving Justin Jones from three tech to defensive end, which would be, you know, twofold to look at Jones who's, who's been decent this year. You know, I think he's an okay player if you've got better defensive linemen around him. Um, so you look at how versatile he can be, and then maybe you see some more snaps of some other guys, uh, Andrew Brown, perhaps uh, Armin Watts at, at three technique. None, none of these things sound very exciting. They've, they've played almost everybody. Like Car- Jatari Carter uh, is the only offensive player that was on the roster week one that hasn't gotten a snap on offense. And Sterling Weatherford, the linebacker, who's been a core special teams player, mm-hmm. is the only player on defense that was on the roster week one uh, that has yet to get a defensive snap. Everybody else has played. They've started to play more. For instance, Bayless Jones um, has almost half of his uh, offensive snaps for the season in the last two games. His playing time has spiked. I would think we see more of him. I, I don't think they're going to rest Cole Komet to, for the Jake Tongas experience or, <laughs> uh, or Chase Allen, uh, but may, maybe they look at a few guys here and there. Bigsy, thanks. Appreciate it. Sterling Weatherford sounds like a hedge fund. Not a Weatherford. Weatherford. Thanks, Bigsy. Appreciate it. Have a great day, guys. Hey, right, Brad. Brad Biggs of the Tribune right here on The Score. You know, we talked about what Justin Fields thinks, what, what, what we think would be good for Justin Fields in the last two games, what Iberflus thinks and the Lions and whether or not that culture, maybe they compare more than what the – Bears are looking out with the Bills and Eagles. Let's hear from them. We'll do that after this. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, in for Mullane Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome in, welcome back. 
Steve Rosen with Mark Rody. We're in for Mully and Haw today till 10 o'clock. Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, 312-644-6767 is the number. You can reach us by phone. You can reach us on the text line there. And we will, top of the hour, we will do what Mark heard, 844 Nick Costos. Um, we will learn all about numbers, odds, and Casey Johnson will join us at 9, talking about the Bulls. In case you missed it last night, the Bulls pulled off an impossible, and an incredible comeback, down by 15 in the fourth quarter to the Bucks. They came back to win some spectacular plays, some spectacular defensive plays by DeMar DeRozan. Oh, and by the way, he scored 42 points, 10 in overtime. Nikola Vucevic made some incredible defensive plays. The And hit some threes. Hit a huge three in the overtime. Vucevic with the, the ball stops of Antetokounmpo, I think on back-to-back plays, where mm-hmm. he gets all ball and forces jump balls. That was really impressive, what Vucevic was doing down low late in the game. And I understand that it's impossible to stop Anthony Coombe. I like I like the sympathy that is being spread for Patrick Williams too. Like everybody talking about him defending yeah. Kumpo. It's like he, you know, hey, he did what he could he do. Did. He did every. He played his little heart out, good as could be expected. Yeah, yeah. yeah Bush went fifteen and thirteen, which is really nice. And the two stops that all ball would be a really good name for a podcast, right? Podcast. I think podcast names are getting really stupid. Yes, they are. Yeah. All ball. All ball. Just right. use your name. Yeah. Enough trying to be cute. All ball. Yeah. All right. Fourth and long. The name we were using before, Justin Fields. So we will talk uh, Casey Johnson at 9 o'clock about that comeback. But speaking of comebacks, Justin Fields is going to come back and play another football game. He met the media yesterday. And so the I, now everything with Justin Fields starts with a body count. So how's your foot doing? Justin, how's your foot feeling? It's fine. Yeah. Feeling good, yeah. There were like no residual effects or anything after the game the past couple of days. I mean, it was just swollen for a couple of days, but bleeding a little bit, but it's fine. And we move from the foot to the shoulder. How's that going? It hasn't affected me much. I mean, you know, throwing wise, I felt fine. You know, after the incident happened, I think the biggest thing with it is just sprinting full speed and be able to being able to use that arm to produce more power with with running. So, but other than that, it's been fine. Is it always in pain? I mean, it just depends, like, you know, like that play on the sideline, it, you know, it just aggravated it a little bit. So, but usually, like, during the games, it's it's no pain. Justin Fields met the media and was asked about defenses taking different approaches to him, the way Buffalo did, or sending a spy on him, and his thoughts on that. Yeah, for sure. You know, depending on how they, you know, look at their backers, you know, how athletic they think they are. You know, the Eagles, they spied me with the nickel, with the defensive back. So, um, you know, just depending on who they have, you know, last game, the Bills, you know, they they spied me with their, their Mike Edmonds. So, you know, just I think it just depends on, you know, how their defensive coordinator looks at their, you know, players and, you know, if you trust them to, you know, be able to tackle me when I want in field. So the spy or the defensive ends holding – their position, their discipline, their integrity of their they're on the outside contained and they say, you know what, we're gonna you're gonna stay in the pocket, we're gonna make you beat us with your arm, you're not running around us. So with that, with having seen different defenses, different approaches, different ways of stopping him, how would Justin Fields define the last two games as successful for the Bears offense? 
what would you define as sort of a successful finish these last two weeks of the season for the offense and what you guys are able to do? Just improvement in the things that we need to work on. Really just, you know, playing mistake-free ball and finishing in, you know, certain situations, you know, two-minute, you know, executing in the goal zone. And, you know, Coach talked today about sudden change when the defense might get a takeaway. You know, the offense has to get on the field and score seven. So, you know, just, just, just small situations like that. Well, he wants the his offense to progress. What does the coach think, Matt Eberflus, think about the progress Fields has made through this season? Yeah, well, you were talking about the, the personnel a couple of minutes ago, and, and you said other things like this throughout the year, that imperfect circumstances are part of the job for Fields in particular, that he just has to find a way to, to make it work no matter what's going on, who's in or out. How do you think he's done with that this year? I think he's done well. I mean, if you look at how he's progressed during the course of the year with all the different lineups up front, with all the different receiver lineups, you know, with losing Herbert for quite an extended period of time, I think he's done well, you know, and he's improved his game. And we're excited to see where these last two games are going to go. So you heard, you're used to hearing these guys, Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus, Mark Rohde. What did you think of what Justin Fields said about what counts as progress for him in these last two games against the Lions this week and the Vikings last week? The huge thing that he said is the work in the gold zone, and that's and man. Now, now I'm the starting. Gold to, zone. Now, now I'm starting ta- to do it. Wait, now I was just getting used to the green zone, <laughs> and now we're in the gold zone. We're in the gold Are we zone. We're gonna be in the platinum zone hey, soon. Hey, hey, look, the gold zone, red zone. Yes, I want to see progress in that. I want to see a game-winning drive or a clutch drive. I want to see the Bears when there's a minute left to go in the half and they're on their own 15-yard line. I want to see them put together a drive as opposed to running the ball a couple of times then then kneeling down. So I would see that as progress. I want to see, now that they're in a dome and we don't have to give the caveat of the weather, I want to see when the Detroit Lions use their spy or whomever it is, or if they close in with their defensive ends, I want to see the Justin Fields, him adjusting back to them because that's what every great running quarterback ever has had to do. Josh Allen. There have been teams that have defended him the exact same way. He has had to find a way to adjust to it. Now, obviously, his adjustment is being able to throw the football as well. Um, you go to Lamar Jackson. The teams have been game planning since he came into the NFL to stop him from running. Somehow, he still finds a way to do it. So I want to see Justin Fields adjust in that regard and the adjustment of actually using the passing game to have something a little bit different as well going against him. So I, everything that Justin Fields said was, sounded lined up pretty well with me. And then with the, the injury stuff, it just sounds like a pain tolerance thing with him right now, that there was pain after it. And there is you do have to keep in mind what he said about the left shoulder, how that does affect him a little bit in terms of what he is trying to do with the throwing arm as well. I was I I kept thinking what could Detroit do that would be different <clears throat> that would force like you said force Justin Fields to look at something different that he hasn't seen the the greatest learning opportunity for him is something he hasn't seen a chance to be successful against something different and that's what I want him to see that's what I want to see how he reacts like you 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 want to see whether it's using a spy or whether it's a completely different, if, if it's just shading enough on defense, can he read it? Can he exploit it? What can he do? What does he see? How soon does he recognize it? And can whatever success he might have, there seems to be a lot of success 
early. Like there's encouragement early in these games. Oh, right? sure. The first drives have been good, and that's and then, a product of it being scripted and everybody being ready. So you need something beyond that. Well, last week they hit. They had a great drive to start the game. Last week they had a ten six lead. Every like you said to your point, everything was going well, and then as has been the case, and especially with a team like Buffalo, talent prevails. Talent prevails and the rises to the top, and that is what that is what the Bears have been exploited by. Talent. Well, there was a defensive change they were exploited by. There were the the defensive ends were staying home more. Oh, they locked down hardcore. Buffalo okay, did. that after yeah. that first drive, when, when well, they, they got they the, got a feel for the speed. And that's something. Hundred percent, and especially from from the very beginning of the second half. So, do you think he or not think he adjusted well at all? See, I don't think they adjusted well, but. How can you not take the weather into consideration for this game in terms of trying to do both sides? I mean, neither quarterback was doing extraordinary things. So I, I just I have a hard time completely going in on them because of the weather. But yeah, I mean, all things equal, no, they did not do a good job. And there was some some excellent moments. The wide open touchdown pass to Dante Pettis. I mean, you still got to make that pass. Right. The, the play to, to Vales Jones, where Vales Jones sprints in between the safety and the cornerback and just makes a great play. And it was a great throw as well, but they didn't do enough to adjust. But I, I, you have to factor in the weather, don't you? Don't yes. you factor that in? You do. In, in your play calling and in the, and in the, the throws you think you can make and right. the throws compared to the throws you want to make. Yeah. And, of course, it has to be factored in. But this is to my point. To look good early and then not be able to do much at all in the last four weeks have been you know the four weeks and we thought, okay, this is a thirty five point offense. We can't wait to see five touchdowns every week. And then I don't know, have we seen five touchdowns in the last four weeks? And it's been in terms of the way it like early in the season. Remember how the Bears would play well in the they would not play well in the first half and then adjust. In the second half, we haven't right. seen as, we we haven't thought seen as much as We had as coaches, that. and we, we were watching coaches who were watching the game in front of them and yes. adjusting. Yeah. So now, what? Where do those coaches go? Did they they just like eat fudge now at halftime and they can't do anything? Yeah, I mean, what, what are they doing? Is it just like I said, the talent deficit catching up with them? At eight four seven text three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. If you want to text Rosenblum and Grody filling in for Molly and Haw today, give me the clutch drive next year. After they trade down and give Justin an extra lineman and wide receiver, stop it! And that's exactly what I said. Rosenblum is raising the roof over there. So if you yeah, are baby. saying that, you are saying that a game-winning drive will do nothing for Justin Fields, and that that wouldn't count as progress because if Justin Fields can accomplish some of those things, that's real stuff. A lot of times, I discount momentum going into to. Another season, but this is a guy still learning and developing, and that would count as that kind of development. So I I don't want to hear that kind of stuff. Um, Grody, you won't see that type of progress until the rest of the team is better. And yeah, it easily it can always come back to that because everybody knows that. Ryan Poles knows that. Matt Eberflus knows that. Luke Getzey knows that. That's why they're all going to have jobs next year because the the roster is just not talented enough. But one of the things Eberflus said, and he said it in a way of we're giving, we're giving players no excuses, but if the coaches have to adjust and figure out 
what players can do what, in what situations. This is what we have. Then he wants the quarterback to do it too. And he wants Justin Fields to do that. Figure it out and make it work. So I don't know if he's figured it out. He hasn't made it work in the second half of games and in, in those clutch drive situations. Well, don't start now. Come on, you're this close to getting a generational player, presumably. And that's why I don't want to see it happen. I'm with you, Texture. Clutch drive next year. But, but, but he could take... Can't take anything. Who's Real gonna, steps who's towards gonna, being a franchise quarterback in the next two games. Okay, what if he throws that pass to St. Brown or Pringle? Oh, what which, if that, that that drive gets capped to one of those two guys who so may not be here? Or so Nikhil what? Harry. So what? A lot of these guys are going to be here next year. Right, so why so waste So then you don't count that as progress with the, with the quarterback that threw to an average you wide know, receiver? That's pretty good. If he throws... Um, if Luke Getze, when does Luke Getze teach Justin Fields that slant that Aaron Rodgers always slows, throws that goes for 40 yards? You got me there. When does he teach him that? You got me there. So if you throw that slant to Bayless Jones, if Bayless Jones can run anything close to an accurate pattern and hold on to the ball and not be this massive vortex of mess and he can catch that slant and go for 40 yards – I'll take that. I will take that drop in draft pick if So Justin you don't count, so what you're saying is I'm when, when Justin spot. Fields throws a touchdown pass to Dante Pettis, you're like, ah, that forget doesn't it. count. He probably I'm, a, I'm, I'm not checking that. No. Forget forget that. It no. doesn't that doesn't matter. No. Because Valus Valus Jones is the only threat on this receiving core now. The only threat because of that speed. If he gets hands, if he can learn to run a pattern, it was it thought all the stuff we thought so Mooney that, had, and Mooney didn't. He couldn't run a pattern. Oh yeah, Darnell Mooney. Yeah, remember oh, him? Yeah. He couldn't run a. So if you can do that, look, Bayless Jones has the speed. If he can rock it out and he catches a, a, a slant pass, you're Aaron Rodgers and you're you're Devonte Adams and you're here's the slant pass is going to go for forty yards. If that happens, I'll take that clutch drive. Okay. If, if it's not him. Sit down and shut up. Okay, so you will take the cap. You'll take a win, and you'll take progress if it's Valus Jones Jr. If he hits Equinemius St. Brown oh, with me. an eighty-yard fly pattern, there's a reason you're going to be like that's not no. See, th- isn't yes. that part of what an elite quarterback is? Is making mediocre wide receivers better? Okay, we have so you seen should want to see that. Well, okay, there's we nothing, have seen it at there's times. There's nothing more mediocre than Valus Jones. We know nothing about him. He's proven nothing except he can't hold on well, I the ball. S- I want to see Valus Jones Jr. too, but what I am arguing against you is that you're saying that there's not value in him making plays to Equinemius St. Brown and Dante Pettis and fill-in-the-blank wide receiver or tight end or whomever, and I'm saying that there's a lot of value okay. in that. Okay. If you can do big things with there's, mediocre you, talent, then that's, you ruined draft that's a pretty good that's trick. Right. Okay. Mm, yeah, do back all to right, we're going to take a break. We need to get out of here you're and such find a Rosenblum. else to argue about. I have an idea for you had Tom Thayer in. You were talking about Pro Bowls, right? Making Pro Bowl more interesting. Yeah. By putting Justin Fields in it, let him run around. I got other ideas. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Saturday Suckage on Thursday. In for Molly and Haas, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Yeah, man. Sucks. Yeah. Saturday Suckage on Thursday. If the NFL can have Monday Night Football on Thursday, we can have Saturday Suckage on Thursday. He's Mark Rohde. Hi. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Hello. In for Mully and Haas, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. We will be doing what Mark heard at the top of the hour. 
Saturday Suckage Specialty, our near award-winning segment. We will hear what Mark heard this week. Score listener line, I need to remind you, is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Do that today or visit BetQL.com. And we encourage you to watch this show Mm. on Twitch. What's up, Twitchers? We are live. Live on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv backslash Chicago 670 the score. And there you can watch this show. Subscribe to our channel and interact with other scoreheads live. We broadcast live from the Hyundai Score Studios. You did this yesterday with the esteemed, the great Tom Thayer. A co-worker of yours, as a matter of fact, on Sundays, right? Yes. You're on the field dressed in whatever Gene Grody determines is acceptable. I don't know what she did in the Buffalo game. She must have. That that whole idea. I don't know how many layers Gene insisted on. I thought she might come down with it. We had several talk. conversations, and uh, I, I left her a message saying, just so you know, Mom, I, this is like a week before the game. I am I am aware. This was like a preemptive move by me. <laughs> I, I left her a message on their old school answering machine saying, I am, hey, it's Mark, the middle son. I The one on the radio. I am I am aware of what the weather is going to be on just so you know mom I am aware of yeah. what the weather is going to be and then when she called me back later on that day when when she saw the message and she said well what is your plan going to be I know you said you're aware but what is your plan what is your plan? That and was, what did you tell her? Well, I, you tell I told her I got all sorts of tricks, and I said I've made, and this is true, I think by then I had already made like three or four trips to the local Walgreens buying various sundries to keep myself warmer for the day. Sweet Cheeks got me these wonderful Ugg mitten gloves. They're fingerless gloves. The mitten slides over. When you want to slide the mitten part back, oh, yeah. there's a magnet that so you can use your fingers, and then it keeps... And they're ugg warm, so you know they're good. They are remarkable things. I would recommend that, okay. but I don't want to step on Gene Grody's The toes. best trick that I used, and I had a lot of tricks, was the surgical gloves underneath the regular gloves. Oh, that extra the latex layer. gloves. Yeah, and, and I do have to take the gloves off a lot during the game to tweet or to write down notes or things like that, and you can still text and tweet and use your phone with the surgical gloves, and that layer does continue to insulate. So, and one can buy those at your, I went to, I went to a urgent care center down the block from me, a Northwestern subsidiary to buy, or not to buy. I don't know why I thought I could just walk in there and get surgical gloves. Hey, got some gloves for me? I did. I said to the, to the nice lady at Northwestern, I said, Hey, um, is there any way I could get or purchase some surgical gloves and i didn't tell her what it was or anything that i did or anything i'm like a that. football guy yeah, yeah i'm mark grody from the score give me surgical <laughs> gloves. The, do you know who yeah. i am card but no she was very nice but she just looked at me and goes no we, we can't do that she goes but there is a walgreens right across the street there you, you can walk out the door and go over there right now get away from we're me. not giving you, you these gloves me. yeah there you go okay yeah, so cool. you had thayer on yesterday and somehow he touched on, he, you, you heard his disdain. He was spitting on the new and improved and really ugly Pro Bowl. And the Pro Bowl sucks anyways. Yeah. I'm so sick and tired of this being called the Pro Bowl when it's just a bunch of games that they're going to go out there and, and play and have these competitions. It's silly because the Pro Bowl 
used to mean something. Now, if you're not all pro, I then a Pro Bowl means nothing uh, to I, me. I'm with you. And it, it's it's unfortunate that the NFL has done to the Pro Bowl what it has done. Okay. So I had ideas. Oh, boy. Okay. I, I, the ideas make it attractive to TV. Nobody, the players don't want to go and get hurt. But the NFL wants the money. You have to give people something to watch and they're not going to play football. So, okay, my first thought was this. The starting defensive tackles play Twister. <laughs> okay. okay. Now tell me, I mean, okay. it's over in one spin, right? Tell me that wouldn't be really good TV. Are you It'd saying TikTok that? TikTok perfect. That- the defense just goes out there by themselves and plays Twister, or yes. while the offense is playing against them, they're just, they just not. Play twi- they're, just they're just playing up, Twister. Just set it up in a in an arena, like an indoor arena, like you're going to Sunday in Detroit, okay. right? And and you, they just play Twister. Now, what if the fattest guys, and they'll probably be the guards. They won't want me to say that, but that's true. Mm-hmm. What if they played Hungry Hungry Hippo? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? These Just big, sitting there like in, yeah. fat hands all over it, playing hungry. See? And that would, that would be, I would like that. Okay. You're two for two. Okay. Now, here's something else. This may take you back to your childhood, but I love this idea. The quarterbacks, they play Oregon Trail. Oh, man. Right? The original computer game. Oh, on the original computers. PRSA. And, and we're all rooting for Aaron Rodgers to die of dysentery. That's what we want. You have disagree, you have died, right? Yeah. Or Kirk Cousins, right? What wouldn't you I want to see them play Oregon oh, Trail? Beautiful. Would it be on a TRS eighty or a Commodore sixty four? That's yes. the question. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The trash eighty. I used to have to write on trash eighty. I, I, I remember learning in, in grade school. Like that was the first big tank of a computer yeah. that we used. I think the Commodores were sort of there, and then the TRS eighties took over, and then here comes Apple. You should have been around in the Pong era when that was the bar video game. Oh, Atari. Burp. Atari Pong, right? Burp. Burp. Yeah. Okay. The punters, they're going to play paper football. Because all they want to do is kick, right? Well, they kick flick the paper? Flick it to the end, and they, kick, they play oh, paper that's football. Right. The little flicking? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And this one will be the best. And I swear, this will be so great, especially with... Terrell Owens talking about coming back to play with Detroit. The cornerbacks and the wide receivers are going to play a karaoke game. They have the, these guys, the farthest, the guys farthest from the football have the biggest mouths. They make the most noise. So the wide receivers and the cornerbacks are going to karaoke almost like they're having a rap contest. We'll get Eminem to MC it. All of the things that you have mentioned so far would be more entertaining than the actual game. See? Yes. That's that's where I am on this. And I think that would be TV friendly, TikTok friendly, all of this all of the social platforms. What am I missing? The TikTok, right? I got I got that. I got InstaFace and right and all that stuff, right? Yes, you're right. Yeah. TikTok. How about having them dance? You know to do the celebrity dance like they scored a touchdown, they dance, so why not have them like do a little dance? Everybody scored a touchdown, let's see who has the best dance. See, that's all choreographed. The other things that I've talked about are you have to react. You're playing a game, you're reacting in the moment. You don't know what the karaoke song's going to be. If they have to dance when they're given, suddenly something's thrown out at them, 
and then they have to do it, that's fine. But I don't want them to – I don't want we, – we know Dancing with the Stars. We saw the Cubs manager on it. We don't want to see that. That's practice. That's rehearsed. I want to see all of this stuff that I've described, the games I've set up, are far better TV, and they don't know what's coming, except Aaron Rodgers is going to die of dysentery on Oregon <laughs> I'd rather see what I think it used to be on ABC with, like, Jim McKay – it was Howard the, Cosell, the star. Battle of the Network Stars. Yeah, I would way rather see Battle of the Network Stars than any Pro Bowl. Also game. known as with people like Heather Locklear, Battle of the Network TNA. All right, we're going to be yeah. moving right along. Yeah. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody, we're in for Molly and Ha. Next, the near award-winning segment from Saturday Suckage comes to Thursday Drive Time, and I'm speaking really fast to get out of here. What Mark heard. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.